Let me see if I can put this together and do it quickly, but you know, we, we began something last week where um, Charles Finney, he wrote this thing on hindrances to revival. And we went over one thing about the pride that can enter in the hearts of those whom God chooses to use. And there's a reason that God is having me on this, I'm writing on it, I think next week we'll do the rest of the reasons. One, one thing he said is, and we shared, is that when a church gets off of its mission, he loses focus of going out to the world, then the spirit withdraws. But, uh, you know, another thing is, he said, is that along with pride is that you, you cannot not address the issues of the day. The spirit of God, well, he'll go somewhere else if you're just going to play church. So I want to address three quick issues. Is that okay? I'll try to do it in love. But then we want to pray. We want to pray of our teams. But anyway, let me, let me show you a scripture. Look over in 2 Timothy. 2 Timothy and chapter 3. Just listen. It would be on the screen, I think. Verse 10. But you have carefully followed my doctrine, manner of life, purpose, faith, long-suffering. Anybody know what long-suffering means? Long-suffering. An example. Love, perseverance, persecutions, afflictions, which happened to me at Antioch, Iconium, Lystra, which persecutions I ran from. No, I endured. And out of them all, the Lord delivered me. Yes, and all desire to live godly will suffer persecution. Now verse 13. But evil men and impostors will grow worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. But you continue in the things which you've learned and have been assured of, knowing from whom you've learned them. And that from a child, you know, you've known the Holy Scriptures. And so we're to stand on the Word. But we must address the things going on. Now, this is interesting. The word worse and worse, they're two different Greek words. The first worse is a Greek word that means a superimposed, a distribution of evil over time, place, or an order, but a superimposed. It's like, you know, you superimpose an image over an image as you in graphics. Now, they didn't have graphics in those days, but we can understand it like that. Where you, something is hidden. The real face is being covered by an image. This week, God leaked the real image of what is facing America. We saw it as, a, as the decapitation of our president. It's an evil that's behind the scenes. We'll talk about that. And then the other word is so real. So real no, it's Chiron, Chiron. And it means... More are aggravated evil. For, here's an example. You wake up one morning, how is your ankle doing? Man, it's worse. It's worse. It feels worse today than it did yesterday. 
And then you know it just gets worse. So that's what he's saying. Evil men and imposters, seducers, will grow worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. And I want to quickly, three things. That, you know, so much has happened in this time, you can't keep up with it. One thing comes on the news, the next thing, so we just stay with God's news. But we're going to address the day. I'm not going to back out of this stuff. Climate change. It is the biggest fraud, biggest lie. It is equivalent. It is a biblical lie. He says they believe the lie. He gave them over to believe a lie. It's the earth, I'm going to show you a scripture. Nobody's asking what God say about it. They're asking these so-called experts and scientists that don't exist. Many of them don't exist. Some of them bought and paid for. But I was thinking about this. You know, I saw where these cities, New, New Orleans, where I lived for a season. I wish somebody would let him see this. Oh, I would love it. Now, I love you. I, oh, i got to be loving. But the mayor of Boston and New York and Pittsburgh, they said, we're not going to pay any attention to this thing the president's doing. We're going to do our own thing. We're going to honor the Paris Accord. You know what somebody in those cities should be doing? They should be calling for their impeachment. If, if anybody's bold in those cities, because number one, the Paris Agreement was never constitutionally adopted. We didn't vote on it. It's one man said, you're going to follow this way. Never was voted. It's, it's not even constitutional. They should be impeached for one to submit their people to international law. They're betrayers of the Constitution. Well, that'll really make them happy. And then they ought to call for their imprisonment. Because that's what climate change is. They, they used to call it global warming. But it's a fraud. It's a Ponzi scheme. It's a distribution of wealth from America to the rest of the world. Okay, I did it. Did I have a little love? Anyway. Oh, the scripture. Now listen to this. You guys watching. I know you may not be watching, but the word's going forth. and It will not return void. I don't know, but Genesis chapter 8 you say, what does God say? He said, after the flood, while the earth remains, seed time and harvest, cold and heat, winter and summer, day and night shall not cease from the earth. Man is not going to destroy what God created. It's all built on faulty science. I could go into greater detail and tell you exactly how they rigged the books and they, they crucify the climate deniers. I'm not a climate denier. The climate is changing. When we end this service, it will change by a couple degrees probably. In the morning, it's going to change. Tomorrow night, it's going to change. It's the most ridiculous lie in the history. Satan is... Can you believe people are falling for the lies? Secondly, is this thing that happened this week, this decapitation of our president. I believe God gave me a word. It's, it is a, like a uh, superimposed, it was an image of what really the enemy really wants to do behind the scenes. God just exposed it. He leaked, heaven leaked it. Heaven leaked the plans of the enemy. That's what their plan is. The devil comes to steal, kill, and destroy. That's what they would love to do, not just to a man, but to a whole bunch of folks that believe in Jesus. Because Islam, who are their enemies? They're coming after the people of the cross. Who's that? Me. I'm one of them, unashamedly. It's a big thing going on. So they're going to go after our president with everything they've got because they don't want to be exposed 
And anyway, that's a big subject, so I'm opening a big can of worms. But we're going to pray, because Shirley said we would have never known who Kathy Griffin was if she hadn't have done this. So now we know who we are, we're going to pray her into heaven, because God loves her. She's obviously very, very distraught. Something. And then this last night, you think, well, Lord, we've seen it all. No, London erupts. And this stuff going on like crazy. So we, we got to really run the race while we have time to run it. And um, we, we want to stand for truth and be a people of truth. Paul Keith Davis, somebody, Margaret, sent me a, uh, he did one of these things on the web. And he said that God did the miracles right before the children of Israel go into the promised land, you know, to face the giants, so that they would be impressed with God and not impressed with the enemy. I thought, that's pretty cool. I like that. I'm gonna, can I repeat that? Yes. God's going to impress America so that we will not be impressed or distracted by what, or intimidated by what the devil is doing. Amen. Amen. So I'm going to pray. Because this is cool, because the other thing is we're praying for missions teams. So you guys come on up. We got teams from Malawi, going to Malawi. Yes, Malawi. Ukraine and Haiti. So come on up. Let's pray for these teams. Give them a hand. Oops. So this is pretty cool. This is awesome. This is amazing. So we want the fire of God. I need some of you to come help me. Come lay hands on them. Let's pray. And as we send them out, pray for the fire of God on their lives and protection and great fruit. And then we're going to pray for Kathy Griffin especially, that she gets arrested by God. And for the whole crowd out there that's lost and discouraged and don't know what's going on. So go ahead and lay hands. Make sure everybody has somebody. Lay hands on them. Just in part. Go ahead, you, you pray, you impart. Thank you, Lord. If you can't get to one, just lay hands on the person behind them or in front of them. And Oh, this is cool. Just keep praying. Yes, God. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father. Shirley said she saw a vision that an image of uh, when we were to pray for these you know we prayed and it's written under the carpet that the fire of God would never depart never go out on the altar so we believe that by faith so we're going to take a coal from the altar and we want to give it to everyone is that a good plan so let's do Lord by faith we give her the coal from the altar in the name of Jesus you guys release that you guys release that. We just say, I give them the coal from the altar. The fire of God. That everyone would carry the fire to Malawi, to Ukraine, to Haiti, in the name of Jesus. God, we pray for revival to break out. Great harvest in these nations. Great harvest. God, let your kingdom come. Lord, let your kingdom, let the king arise. Lord, we ask you for authority for the anointing to raise the dead, to heal the sick. We pray for the anointing to see a big harvest, a big harvest. Malawi, we declare the kingdom of God has come to Malawi. We declare that these are going, representing the king of all kings, carrying the anointing, carrying the glory. 
And Lord, we pray over Ukraine. Lord, let this be the greatest fruit that Pat has ever seen. As she goes to this nation she loves and has given herself to. And Lord, we send our kids now to Haiti. We say go with the fire of God. Go with the anointing of the Holy Spirit. Lord, we ask you to protect them. We bind sickness, disease, accidents, freak accidents, Lord, from all of these teams. We break off every assignment, infirmity, all these afflictions. We break them now. We cancel any plan of the enemy. And we declare the plan of heaven rules. The kingdom of God reigns. And we bless them and we pray, Father, go with them. Let them see your glory and release your glory. So, Lord, we're asking for a big thing, but you're a big God. Lord, let the fire go from Moravian Falls to the ends of the earth. In the name of Jesus, we thank you for it. Hallelujah. Thank you. Release. Fire. Fire. Thank you, God. Thank you, Lord. And all of God's people said, Amen. Amen. These calls from the altar, this altar, the altar of the Lord, they will give you an, a, a higher spiritual authority to speak into where God is sending you. And so just receive that. Just receive that. And it's also going to bring purity. So let those calls touch your lips so that you can speak the pure word of the Lord. Amen. Amen. That's pretty cool. Hebrews 1 verse 1. Father God, I thank you that you anoint me, Father God, to speak your word, Lord Jesus. Holy Spirit, I thank you that it's your truth that be spoken, not the words of man. Father God, I thank you that you don't allow me to negotiate with people's hearts and their beliefs. Father God, I thank you that your truth and the whole truth be spoken. I thank you for your presence in this place, Lord Jesus. I thank you that there's a holy anointing in this place. And I thank you, Father God, that we're going to receive our healing and our medicine through your word, Lord Jesus. Amen. God is good. <laughs> Was that a good takeoff? You know, people talk about taking off, you know. So I feel like I'm high, like, you know, up there. So let's go there right now. God who at sundry times and in a diverse manner spake in times past unto the fathers by the prophets, hath in these last days spoken unto us by his Son, that's us, these are the last days, whom he hath appointed heir of all things, not some of the things, everything, by whom also he made the worlds, who being the brightness of his glory and the express image of his person, and upholding all things by the word of his power, when he had by himself purged our sins, sat down on the right hand of the majesty on high, being made so much better than the angels, as he hath by inheritance obtained a more excellent name than they. So somebody's speaking on our behalf, and he's not speaking on our behalf of a year, but he's seated at the right hand. Amen? So this was something that we didn't have in the Old Testament. So God, whenever he did stuff in the Bible, whenever people arrived on the scene, whenever something was new, blood was applied. Amen. The earth swallowed blood. When Noah got, got out the ark, blood. You understand? <laughs> What's uh, Zipporah? She rebuked Moses. She said, I, my husband is a bloody man. 
she would not let him go to Egypt without circumcising the child. Amen. So blood is a power. I want to read something to you guys that the enemy knows that a lot of Christians don't know. I want to read something interesting for you about blood. Okay, there was a time in the Bible, in 2 Kings 3, um, they went to Elisha, they wanted to win a battle against the Moabites. Um, Elisha only prophesied on behalf of Jehoshaphat because he only honored him. Israel had allied themselves with the Syrians, so they were going out to battle. And I'm a lot like Elisha, you know, I like it when the minstrels come and play first. And then the hand of God was upon Elisha. So you can't do anything without the Holy Spirit. So that's why I like to, I like, you know. But anyway, let's get back to the point. And it came to pass in the morning, verse 20, when the meat offering was offered, um, behold, there came water by the way of Edom, and the country was filled with water. And when all the Moabites heard that the kings were come up to fight against them, they gathered all that were able to put on armor and upward, and stood in the border. So you know that they weren't in a good situation. So it sounds like even the young men had to put on armor. It was, they didn't say the skilled people. They were now ready for battle and they were putting armor on everybody. Amen. And they rose up early in the morning and the sun shone upon the water. And the Moabites saw the water on the other side as red as blood. And they said, this blood, the kings are surely slain. And they have smitten one another. Now therefore Moab to the spoil. And when they came to the camp of Israel, the Israelites rose up and smote the Moabites so that they fled before them. But they went forward smiting the Moabites even in their own country. It's funny how that when the blood of Jesus was starting to be applied that the enemy thought that we had been defeated. <laughs> it's like God's own people sent him to the cross. And the enemy thought, oh, the victory's ours now. Let's gather everybody we've got and go. Because they saw the water and the reflection of the sun. So he, who is he who comes from Edom with his garments all red, scarlet? So God was prophesying even to the Mohobites that it's by blood, Baba. So now listen to what their solution to the problem is. And they beat down this... Um, they went all the way into their country and they beat down the cities and on every good piece of land cast every man his stone and filled it. And they stopped all the wells of water and fouled all the good trees. Only in Kerahesef left they the stones thereof. Howbeit the slingers went about it and smote it. And when the king of Moab saw that the battle was too sore for him, he took with him 700 men that drew swords to break through even unto the king of Edom. But they could not. Listen to this. This is where the enemy knows some things that Christians don't know. Then he took his eldest son that should have reigned in his stead and offered him for a burnt offering upon the wall. And there was great indignation against Israel and they departed from him and returned to their own land. You see, the, the battle was against the Moabites. But as soon as that heathen applied the blood, there was no answer. If the enemy is pouring blood out on the ground against you and you're not applying the blood of Jesus, you have got no answer. Because blood speaks. Blood speaks. <laughs> so Israel had no answer to the, to the problem. Their swords and their alliances with Syria and Judah was not going to work. Amen. 
I just wanted to share that with you quickly because we're going somewhere. Hebrews 12 verse 24. And, and to Jesus, the mediator of a new covenant, and to the blood of sprinkling that speaks better things than that of Abel. Um, let's go to Genesis 4. I'm trying to run through this quickly because I believe that God's going to touch some people and we want to do some ministry. And um, <laughs> I think that we need to be reminded that we can't be defeated. <laughs> they can say what they want about us. They can do what they want. At the end of the day, Jesus Christ is King. And there's nothing they can do to stop us. That's why I shared what I shared just now. They will never stop us. They can kill us. They can harm us in any way they want, but they can't kill our spirits. That's why the Lord says, why do you fear those who can harm the flesh but not the spirits? Amen? Um, let me see where I want to start. Uh, let's go to verse 8. And Gabe talked with, his, with, his, with Abel, his brother. No, let's go to verse 9. And the Lord said unto Cain, because we all know the story, Where is Abel thy brother? And he said, I know not. Am I my brother's keeper? And he said, What hast thou done? The voice of thy brother's blood crieth unto me from the ground. And now thou art cursed from the earth, which thou hast opened her mouth to receive thy brother's blood from thy hand. <laughs> so we've, we've got something that God is trying to teach us. He's saying that no matter what happens, when blood is spilt, it speaks. It speaks. So this Moabite king knew now, hey, Baba, I need something to speak on my behalf. So I find it funny that in the West, you know, that we don't talk about blood because it's too gory, you know. You know, the body, the, the Bible says the life of the body is in the blood. So how can you not preach about the blood of Jesus when that was the thing that gave us victory and that was what makes us Christians? You can't be a Christian unless you plead the blood of Jesus of yourself and you get washed whiter than snow, but they don't want to preach about the blood because it's too gory. What's wrong with them? Are they crazy? Amen. So we need to know these things, and I'm going to preach about the blood. Because that's the power. I love it in Africa, we sing a song, this is the power. They, whenever they take communion, they sing, this is the power. Because they know that this is the thing that brought them out of their, their, their pagan sacrificing and ancestral worship. That this is the thing, the solution to the problem, to getting those spirits to stop speaking to them. This is the solution, is the blood of Jesus. Not nice preaching. Amen. So we're going back there, and I want to reveal something about how he speaks for us in a way that he did not speak for those in the Old Testament. Amen. Verse 25. See that you refuse not him that speaketh. For if they escaped not who refused him that spake on earth. Listen to this. So there was something that was speaking on earth also for us. Much more shall, they not, we, uh, shall we not escape if we turn away from him that speaketh from heaven, whose voice then shook the earth. But now he hath promised, saying, Yet once more I shake not the earth only, but also heaven. Phew. 
And this word, yet once more, signifieth and removing of those things that are shaken, as of things that are made, that those things which cannot be shaken may remain. Wherefore we, receive, we, we, wherefore we receive in a kingdom which cannot be moved, praise God. Less, uh, let us have grace whereby we may serve God acceptably with reverence and godly fear. For our God is a consuming fire. Whew. So there were people that refused something that spoke. So you can preach grace as much as you want. But if you refuse the blood, he's not going to speak on your behalf. Never. It's by the blood of Jesus that we are where we are today. It's by His blood. Amen. God is speaking to us and He's telling us, Hey, how, don't refuse this thing that speaks now from heaven. If they could not escape punishment that were refusing that that spoke from earth. So even when Moses came down from the mountain, he slaughtered many bulls and oxen. The blood was shed and he sprinkled it over the people. You understand? Why? To signify the blood of Jesus. Amen? So we go back into Leviticus 14. And they, what were they doing? There was a sin offering. There were five different types of offerings. And every time they would sprinkle the blood seven times. Why? Because it was an allegory and a parable of what Christ was going to come and do. Amen? So the leper would come, and you see, that's the problem with the world. You know, the leper would come, and they would take him outside of the camp. Where did Jesus die on the cross? Outside the camp. How many times did he shed blood for us? Seven times. Seven times they would sprinkle the blood over that person, whatever the problem may be. And outside the camp, the healing would take place. Amen? So he would take now two sparrows, and he would take an earthen vessel, and one of the sparrows would be killed. And they'd put the blood with the water there. Remember the blood and the water when they sprinkled them. With the hyssop and the scarlet wool. Amen. So scarlet is like a red. It looks like the color of blood. That's what scarlet is like. It's like a purple red, just in case you don't know. It's a royal color. So they would use that. And what were they doing? They were signifying that it's by the blood of Jesus that we get our healing. Back then, they were understanding things that people do not understand. So they would, what would they do afterwards? They'd take the anointing oil and also the blood. Touch the ears, the thumbs and the toes. Amen? So we know Jesus Christ died on the cross that one of the seven times that he shed blood was when they nailed his hands into the cross. Why? So that your works could be righteous. He, they nailed his hands and his hands bled for you so that you can do the works of God. That's why we can go to Haiti, unqualified in the eyes of men, and we can do the works of God. Not by our might or by our strength or our qualifications or what we've got on paper, but by the blood of Jesus. And his feet were nailed to the cross so we could walk a righteous walk and we could walk with him. You can never walk with the Lord unless you are covered in the blood because it's the blood that speaks on our behalf. He is the mediator. Amen. So blood was mediating in the Old Testament, but it was not speaking from heaven. So the Bible says he took the blood himself and he sprinkled it on the Holy of Holies in heaven. In the Old Testament, what? They went into the Holy of Holies and they sprinkled it what? On the Ark of the Covenants. Amen. So God is speaking to us and he's telling us, you must apply the blood the enemy has no answer to the blood. No answer. 
They can't do nothing when you've got the blood in your life. So even the one man of God used to say, you know, what I used to do is I used to go apply the blood of Jesus on my children's bed. And he's like, did they have problems when they went into their teen years? Yeah, they had problems. But the blood was always speaking because we were always applying the blood over our children's lives, over their schooling, over everything. So they had their problems, yes, but to this day they're serving the Lord. Why? Because of the power of the blood of Jesus. The kingdom of God is not in word alone, but the demonstration of power. So it's like my dad used to say to people, you know why my children are serving God? Not because we were so holy. It's because I saw power. Amen. I saw power. I saw God move. <laughs> That's why somebody was asking me today, like, when did you get saved? I always believed in God, whether I was saved or not. Because when you see some of the things I see, you can't deny the truth. Amen. And in the book of Psalms... Um, David wrote in Psalms 30 verse 9, What profit is there in my blood when I go down to the pit? Shall the dust praise thee? Shall it declare thy truth? He understood something we didn't understand. Listen to what Job wrote. So even Job, he knew, you go read in the book of Job, the devil knew that there was a hedge around him. God's substance was his in life. What is that? God's influence. So the devil was trying to now, hey, the accuser of the brethren. He was there. He was busy accusing us night and day before the throne of God. That's why Jesus said, behold, I see Satan falling down from heaven like a lightning. Why? Because when he died on the cross, Jesus took the seat and he became our mediator. That's why it's our hearts that condemn us now. And the devil works on our hearts. He doesn't speak to you about you in front of God. So the devil knew that there was a hedge around Job. Job 16, verse 18. O earth, cover not thou my blood, and let my cry have no place. Also now behold, my witness is in heaven, and my record is on high. He understood something. He could see what was coming to pass. He could see what the Lord was doing. Verse 21. Oh, that one might plead for man with God as a man pleadeth for his neighbor. Phew. Isn't that powerful? So they were waiting for what we've got now. He did not have somebody to plead with God like, like we can plead with one another. Jesus is mediating. The powerful thing about the, our Lord and Savior is He feels like we feel. He knows the pain we have. He's not like an angel. Angels don't know sin. They don't know those choices. For us, we're acceptable to sin. So He's speaking in another way. His blood speaks in another way. You understand? Um, Hebrews 8 verse 10. And you've got to also understand that the blood of Jesus helps put his word into our spirit and our hearts. And it affects our conscience. Understand? For this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, saith the Lord. Hebrews 8 verse 10. I will put my laws into their mind and write them in their hearts. And I will be to them a God, and they shall be to me a people. You see in 2 Corinthians, verse, uh, 2 Corinthians 3, it talks about the glory of the law. 
And it talks about the glory that was to come, which is the glory we're living in now. So we step from a glory to glory. Amen. So the glory of the law was written on stone. But Paul said, we have our message written on our hearts. We are the message. We are the living letter of God. That's what the blood of Jesus did for his people. He sprinkled many nations. His blood is still living today. It's not dead because it's in heaven and it's speaking on your behalf. Um, where was I? And they shall not teach every man his neighbor and every man his brother, saying, verse 11, say, know the Lord, for he shall know me for the least to the greatest. For I will be merciful to their unrighteousness and their sins and their iniquities will I remember no more. In that he saith a new covenant, he hath made the first old. Now that which decayeth and waxeth old is ready to vanish away. Hebrews 9. Um, Brother David, can you play something? I'm almost done already. Quick and fast. Um, so we know Jesus bled seven times for us. But each time he's ministering to us about something that he's healing in our hearts, in our minds. The first time he started bleeding was in the Garden of Gethsemane. And he bled sweat and blood. Why? Why did that happen? For the healing of our mind. For the healing of our image. The Bible says that he heals our wounds in Jeremiah 30. For I will restore health unto thee, and I will heal thee of thy wounds, saith the Lord. Because they called thee an outcast, saying, This is Zion, who no man seeketh after. So when he did that, he healed your mind. You understand? So you find a lot of people, they, they don't even know what they say sometimes. You can say, why would you say that thing? And they're like, I never say that. Then you just think they're a liar. Yes, they're liars, but the spirit inside them has turned them into a liar. They really don't know that they're liars. They're so lost. But we know that Jesus shed his blood for our minds. Amen? He gave his face over to those who struck him and buffeted him. They ruined his image. Let me read it again. As many as were astonished at thee, his visage was so marred more than any man. He's formed more than the sons of men. No man had ever been beaten like Jesus. You can say what you want, because no man can even handle the beating Jesus took. So as they buffeted him in his face, the Bible says Mary did not even recognize him when he resurrected. Why? Because he was unrecognizable when they beat him. But when he resurrected, he came in perfection. He did not look like he looked three days before. Why was his face beaten? For your image, for your self-image. He bled on his face that you can be righteous and you can be beautiful in his eyes. Amen. And he was a perfect sacrifice. The heathens even prophesied it. What did Pilate do? He did what? He did exactly what the priests do after they checked the lamb out. He washed his hands and said, I find no faults in this one. He was perfect and unblemished. And then they took him into the praetorium and they whipped him. And you know, the Romans, they had nine tail whips, but at each of every tail, there was, a, there was multiple 
um, extensions which had little metal balls in it and bones and those things would spin and it would tear your flesh so by the second time they whipped him his bones were probably exposed so for you to say that God does not feel what you feel is ridiculous he felt it already amen and they whipped him and they whipped him why for our healing by his stripes we are healed when he sat there he knew he was doing it so you could be healed amen it's his blood that does the job it's his blood that does the job and you must imagine that his blood must have spilt all the way across from that praetorium all the way up to Golgotha all the way up to Calvary each time he spilt his blood he won a victory for you for your image for your mind for your works for your walk amen and they put the crown of thorns too to imagine what that must have been like if you think about how those thorns must have been inserted into his flesh and to, to all the, the nerve receptors that are in your head over here to even to the fact that he could even think still and know where to walk and know what to do is just a miracle in itself so you could even to try and prove whether the crucifixion is real or not because nobody could possibly do that is ridiculous because it was impossible that's why Jesus had to die on the cross for us it was impossible and that's why some people may ask I wonder why he fell I mean I think you would also fall if your flesh had been ripped from your body if you had been beaten have you seen the place that David talks about in Psalms they, they beat him and buffeted him the night before so he must have been presented before Pilate early in the morning he must have been presented early in the morning so he sat there even after they had beaten him and he hung on those chains in that dungeon waiting like a lamb to the slaughter waiting to pay the price for our victory so that no blood of the enemy can cry out from the ground against us because we have one that speaks better things than that of Abel we have somebody who has taken his blood to heaven and is sprinkled it on the ark of the covenant in the holiest of holies in the heavenlies and there's nothing that can touch that or go there or defile that so we know that somehow angels must have collected his blood as he shed it for us taking it up to heaven so he could sprinkle it just like the priests would sprinkle in the most holy place and then the most beautiful thing happened last the church was born the day you know they the last thing they did was they put that spear into Jesus Jesus's side and the bride of Christ was born right there yeah we are today thank God and out came water and blood so what do you think came out of Adam when God touched him and brought out Eve it was to represent the bride of Christ so out from his side came the church blood and water why was his lungs filled with water because he had to be on that cross I think for, for a few hours three six hours six hours every time he needed to breathe because he had water in his lungs he had to lift himself up while the nails were in that tendon he was experiencing pain everywhere he was dehydrated too and he had to lift himself 
every time. That's why they break the legs so they can send the person into the next, into sweet by and by because you suffocate. You can't breathe if your legs are broken, you're hanging on the cross. They did not break Jesus' legs. They put and thrust a spear into his side so the church could be born. We are here today because of the bride of Christ and it's born. Amen. What a wonderful thing he did for us. What a wonderful thing. Let's stand. But Christ, come a high priest of good things to come by a greater and more perfect tabernacle, not made with hands, that is to say, not of the building, neither by the blood of goats and calves, but by his own blood he entered in once into the holy place, having obtained the eternal redemption for us, praise God. For if the blood of bulls and of goats and the ashes of the half of sprinkling the unclean sanctifieth to the purifying of the flesh, how much more shall the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself without spot to God. And here's the part that's my favorite. To purge your consciences from dead works to serve the living God. We have been qualified to serve the living God by His blood. By His blood we qualified to go from nation to nation and to preach that wonderful truth, the gospel, the Egelion. Almost too good to be true. <laughs> so if you've got the blood, you can't but make it. You can't fail. You can only make it. You can't, you can't fail if you've got the blood of Jesus in your life. You can't fail. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Revelation 12. This is all of our favorites. And they overcome him by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony. And they love not their own lives unto death. You see, it was the power of God's love for you that took him to the cross. Because he didn't love his own life. So when God says, come back to your first love, He's not saying, you did not love Jesus first. He loved you before you loved him. He's saying, come back to the thing that you were taught on the day of the crucifixion. That we are those that love first, not the world. He was the rejected cornerstone. So if you think you're in this position for popularity, you're in the wrong place. We're not Christians for popularity or for girlfriends or boyfriends. He's the rejected cornerstone. But to us, he's a sanctuary. According to Isaiah 53, 54, Isaiah 8, he's our cornerstone. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Let's sing that song, brother. Let's sing it. Let's sing. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Nothing but the blood, nothing but the blood of Jesus. Yes, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Nothing but the blood 
Any of you guys need victory right now? If there's anything Pastor David wants to lay hands on some people, right now we're going to plead the blood of Jesus over our lives, over our family, over our children. So if there's anybody that needs a breakthrough, there's no way, there's no chance for you to make it. Right now God is applying His blood and He's opening Himself up in a way. The Bible says that Jesus was in a certain place and the Spirit of God was present to heal. So there's a presence right now. There's an atmosphere right now. So there's a time when you can grab from God and there's a time when you can be far away. It's in the book of Isaiah. Now He's close. So if there's anything you need prayer for by faith, let's just come forward. And Pastor David's going to lay hands on you, whatever it may be. And we're going to plead the blood of Jesus. Let's continue singing. You guys can come forward. Thank you, Jesus.